Uh, once again, I stand before you uh, in the shoes of uh, Pastor Caravo, who is not here with us uh, today. He's got an assignment in, in, in Florida. So let's continue to pray for him as he, as he speaks the word of God uh, there in Jobeg. Uh, this morning, I thought it fit to uh, speak something about what we, we what I uh, I started some time back. Uh, it's not, of course, the Book of James. Uh, the last time I stood before you, uh, I preached on one of Christ's seven words he said on the cross, normally known as the seven words or the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. So today, I'm going to speak on one of the uh, sayings that Christ said uh, while he was on the cross. This was the first saying, which is normally known as the word of forgiveness. But today, I've uh, titled the scripture, The Savior's Prayer of Intercession on the Cross. The Savior's Prayer of Intercession on the Cross. Shall we pray? Almighty and Heavenly Father, we thank you for you have inspired your word. Your word is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof. Thank you, God, for your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word will accomplish that which you purpose in your heart. Your word is like fire shut up in our bones. Father, help us, therefore, Take your word seriously. Help us, O oh God, for you have inspired your word. I therefore pray for clarity of speech and help us, O oh God. Give us hearts that are willing to listen to these ancient words. We have prayed in Jesus' name, O oh Lord. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 23 from verse 32 to 34. Luke 23 from verse 32 to 34. If you if you are there, I'll read from uh, my NIV, New International uh, uh, Version. My, my son wears glasses like me when he's reading. So his box is almost like mine. So he left his box on, the, on my table and I picked up his glasses. Now I'm trying to, to <laughs> and I'm seeing strange things. <laughs> anyway, uh, please, uh, if you can cast it on the, on, the, on the board, the scriptures, then I can read from there. I have problems reading uh, smaller things there. Luke 23 from verse 32 to 34. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them 
for they know not what they, are, they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. That's the word of God. And today's scripture, which we are concentrating on, is that scripture that I want you to, by the end of this uh, service, you might repeat it and recount it uh, in your heart. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I think many of you know that scripture from long back, but let us commit it to memory, for it is a small, wonderful scripture that will also inspire and help you in the situations that might come across you. And the worst error humankind had done, had been committed. A great miscarriage of justice had been done, which had never been known in history. The Son of Man, having been tried in five different courts, of which two were kangaroo courts. You know what a kangaroo court is? where people just take you, they took the Lord by night, and when they came with clubs and weapons, they took him into a kangaroo court. One of the men uh, was a former high priest whose name was called Anas. They took him there, and when he was there, he was just, you know, taken as a, the way thugs would come uh, to, 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 to arrest. That's what the Lord had been done. And in that kangaroo court, they tried to find reason to blame or to accuse him and they couldn't they couldn't they had nothing really and the next thing this is during the night they're doing this during the night the next kangaroo court is called the Sanhedrin where there were a number of elders there who were there and they took the Lord into that court led by the high priest who was called Cephas and in that court they absolutely had nothing to say except to say, to remember some things that he had done or that he had said. Like one of them said, ah, this is the man who said he, he was the son of God. He claimed to be the son of God. He's the man who said we should not pay taxes to Caesar. They were looking for reasons to, 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 uh, to find a, 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 the Lord being guilty of, but they couldn't. They couldn't. And now the next three courts were our Lord is being driven into are called three civil courts. The three civil courts that he was led into, he was also found innocent. These three civil courts are one done by Pilate. When Pilate had looked at the Lord, he spoke to him. He asked him, are you really the king of Jews? And the Lord replied to him and said, you are saying it, and it's true. And then the next thing, Pilate tries to find really why why had the Lord been brought before the, the, uh, this court and Pilate does not find any reason, any problem. And then he knows, he realizes that there's a, another ruler who has come to Jerusalem for the feast his name is Herod Antipas and what does he do? He says, let me take him perhaps to Herod because Herod was a ruler in Galilee where the Lord was coming from. So he takes, uh, he says, take him to Herod. Maybe Herod is the right person to, to judge him. And when before Herod, the, 
Herod tries and you know Herod when he came to the Lord he wanted he was expecting a miracle and he tried to talk to him he said he has an opportunity for me to have this man perform one of those miracles that he has done because for many a time he had heard that this man was around and he wanted to see him perform a miracle but the Lord was silent he was asked by Herod and he never said anything and then Herod actually made fun of him and Christ never spoke anything. He found it, it wasn't uh, worth it to speak to, to, to Herod. And in the end, Herod said, ah, this is just like one of these madmen. He's not posing any serious harm. And he did not find anything wrong with him. And then he takes him back to Pilate. You see, the fifth court, the fifth court of Pilate. And in the fifth court of Pilate, Pilate, he's, he's actually trying to, he tries the Lord. He tries him, and he doesn't find anything wrong with him. And what does he do? In the end, he asks for a bowl of water, and he washes. He said, I have nothing against this man. I have not seen anything against this man. This man, you take him, your blood, let, let his blood be upon you. You are the ones we have caused. I don't see anything wrong with this man. So, in the final court, Pilate is actually threatened by the, the Jews, the chief priests. They threaten him. They said, if you don't release this man, if you release this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. He's not. So he, he, this is what is called arm twisting. They arm twist uh, Pilate, and finally Pilate capitulates. He ends over the Lord to be executed. Barabbas' cross becomes the Lord's cross. Pilate tried. He said, there's one criminal here. An insurrectionist, he was actually a, rebel, a rebellious guy. I think he was leading a political party or a mob. He, he, this man called Barabbas. He was so bad that the people knew him, how he used to terrorize them. And he said, can I release Barabbas in place of this man? Can I release Jesus in place of Barabbas? And they said, no, no, no we better give us Barabbas than this man. So in other words, this was one of the greatest miscarriage of justice ever known to humankind. You try a man five times and you don't find anything wrong with him. So, in untold suffering and shame, he bears his cross. The cross which was made for Barabbas is now becoming our Lord's cross. A cross which was weighing almost 200 pounds if we bring it to today's uh, units, we're talking about 100 cages of a wooden cross that the Lord had to uh, lift up and uh, uh, carry uh, uh, to be made a public spectacle to die on that cross. He carries that cross as he walks with that cross until he gets to that place they called uh, the skull, the place, the skull or Golgotha. And there, as we read from our scripture, uh, they nailed him to that cross. When he was nailed on the cross, this begins one of the most famous words of Christ. He said on the cross, the word of forgiveness, which I have entitled the Savior's Prayer of Intercession. Now, I am going to zero on this verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In my, in my, in my Bible, Father, forgive them, for they do not know 
what they are doing. If you look closely at these words, it's a prayer. So Christ, there on the cross, there when he has been denied the rightful trial, there when he has suffered, what does he do? He prays. We derive our strength in prayer. With the world having turned against the Lord Jesus, he addresses his father. Freely he can speak to his father. Freely he can pray to his father. We are taught of Christ to address our prayers to the father. And he is doing it. Christ told us, Christ taught us, when you pray, say, father. And he is doing it. He's saying, father. Jesus said, father. In other words, this is a wonderful prayer where Christ is teaching us by example that we address our prayers to the Father. We address God as our Father. Isn't it quite a coincidence that today is Father's Day? And then we are trying to learn what perhaps the world wants us to remember what fathers are to, to us. Here is our Lord Jesus Christ addressing, having a relationship with the one who was close to him, his father. And in times of need, in times when the world attained against him, he says, Father, he addresses the prayer to a father. In Luke 11, verse 2, Jesus teaches, teaches uh, his disciples to pray. They go to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then when he was teaching them to pray, he says, when you pray, say, Father. Isn't it a wonderful thing that the Lord is living to his word? When he prayed there, he says, Father. In Luke 28, in Luke, um, uh, we, we see uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, when he was praying, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Remember when he was in agony, when he knew the death he was going to die, he prays and he says, Father. So this is a very good example of the Lord teaching us how to pray. In John chapter 17, a very famous prayer, which our Lord did pray. When he prayed, he said, Father, this one, the time has come. This is a lesson to us. We address our prayers to the Father. When we pray, we say, Father, because Jesus, our Lord, taught us and he lived by that example of prayer. Jesus had began his ministry in prayer. When he began his ministry there about the age of about 30, when he started his ministry, he began his ministry with prayer. He went to be baptized by John in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the heaven was opened. The heavens were opened. You see how he began his ministry. At the age of around 30, he begins his ministry and he started with prayer. And look at the close of his ministry. He is finishing his ministry with prayer. Here he now ends his ministry in prayer. On the cross, with the hands bound, with feet nailed, the Savior made immobile. He could not move. Yet, the mouth uttered prayer. How powerful it is. He began with prayer and is ending with prayer. There on the cross, 
when you thought you had done the worst to him, but yet his mouth still uttered prayer. He had a relationship with God, uh, 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 the Father. If God is your Father, if God is our Father, we must give him the respect and the honor he deserves. We must have a relationship. We must strike a relationship with our Father. Prayer leads you to, uh, to, 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 to the Father. Jesus, here we see, was a praying man. And how are you in prayer? So this is the lesson that we first see when we analyze this scripture very well. We see Jesus addressing God as Father. He's addressing his Father. You and me, in whatever difficult situations we may be in, look here. This is a lesson that we must learn from our Lord. Pray, pray. It's a lesson on prayer. Number two. Number two, I want you to see the lesson that we, we learn here is the uniqueness of this prayer. This is the lesson number two. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they, are, what they do. Here is a man who is in great, great, great agony, and yet he finds time to pray for others. It's a prayer for others, which we call intercession. He interceded for others, not himself, not himself. Christ identifies the prayer need as well in this prayer, and it is forgiveness. You can see how, how particularly straight and forward his prayer. It's a prayer of forgiveness, and it's a prayer, it's a prayer for others, a prayer for forgiveness. Who is them that are to be forgiven? Who are these guys that need to be forgiven? If you look very closely in this chapter, in the context of this scripture uh, uh, that we have read, if you go a little bit behind, before to find out the people, you find that they are chief priests. They look 22 verse 52. The chief priests are there, and they are new recruit, Judas. Judas was a new recruit who came running to them, and they said, "No, let's go together." And they took clubs, they took weapons, and they went there uh, with the officers of the temple. You read on Luke 22 verse 52 that they were officers of the temple guard. They were elders who went during the night to look with torches, with lamps and torches at night to hunt for a criminal. These people needed to be forgiven for they do not know what they were doing. Luke 22 verse 63, not only the elders that were there, there were guards who mocked, who beat him up, who blindfolded, who insulted the Lord. These were guards that were doing, they thought they were doing a good job. Not only that, in verse 66, there are teachers of the law that are mentioned there. And in chapter 23, verse 1, there is a Roman governor who is called Pilate. Pilate tried his best. We may absolve him, but we cannot take the, the he was the, 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 the judge, he was the, he was the, 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 the court man who had to pass a sentence. He, we cannot absolve him from that uh, 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 decision that he made when he capitulated and the, the man is taken away from him and he, he finally gave in. He's, he, he needs to be forgiven. He needed to be forgiven, although he tried to find out. When he said to the Lord, he, he, what is the truth? 
when the Lord had told him that you shall know the truth. And, uh, and then he said, what is the truth? What was the truth? The truth that Jesus was the son of God. And Jesus was a king. It was the truth that Jesus was a king. Isn't it? So Pilate also needed to be forgiven for he didn't know what he was doing. Although he tried, but we cannot classify. Although the Lord says, the one who has led you to me is the greater sin. The Lord said to, to Pilate that. However, sin is sin. We also see a man who needed to, to the people who would not know what they were doing. Herod, in chapter 23, verse 8 and verse 11, there you, we learn about Herod. We also see Herod's soldiers. Now Herod did his own God. His soldiers who ridiculed and who mocked the Lord. Who even dressed him in a, an elegant robe, in a purple robe, and mocked him. That same chapter, 23:13, we see other people who are called the rulers and the people who were there. We see also from John chapter 19, they were pilot soldiers. The crowd that came there, the crowd, you know what they call mob psychology. People who have studied the way crowds behave. They were, there was also the crowd. And this crowd, it behaved in a way that is very, very confusing. The, they can see some of them were witnesses of what the Lord had been doing, the great things that he had been doing. Because the Lord, is, is, the people, they knew, they saw what I was doing. And some of them, now, the chief priest came to them and said to him, when they ask you, what shall we do with this man? They say, say, crucify him, crucify him, let him be executed. And the crowds in mob psychology, they moved in together. So the crowd, the people had to be forgiven. And then, when the Lord is hanging on the cross, if you read a little bit the scripture that we have not read, verse 35, you will see that there were people who were watching. There were people who were sneering, who were actually jeering. He saved others. Let him save himself. There were soldiers who were mocking there. So, these people needed to be forgiven. In other words, this scripture, it is a fulfillment of the prophetic word which was said in Isaiah 53, verse 12, a very important scripture. Like we said, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, was pointing to the Lord. That same scripture at the end of Isaiah 53, verse 12, it actually says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He made intercession for the, yet he bore the sin of men and makes intercession for the transgressors. So when Christ was there on the cross, as he prayed, he was fulfilling Isaiah 53, verse 12, that he was interceding, interceding, standing in, helping and praying for the sinners. So this is not coming as a, as, as a surprise. When Christ is praying this prayer, he is fulfilling prophecy, as uh, predicted by prophet Isaiah. He prayed for his murderers. He prayed for his killers. In praying for his enemies, not only did Christ set before us a perfect example of how we should treat the, those who wrong us, but he also taught us never to regard any as beyond the reach of prayer. Never to regard any as beyond the reach of prayer. Everyone. 
can be prayed for. Since Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever, he continues in this ministry, as said in the book of Hebrews chapter 7. He is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. This is what Hebrews 7 uh, verse 25 says, that Christ still prays for us. He's still interceding on our behalf. Point number three that I'm going to mention here. In Christ praying this prayer, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Christ was identifying with us. He was identifying with us. Christ on previous occasions forgave sins. Do you remember? Do you remember that Christ forgave sins? He forgave that paralyzed man who was brought in. When he was brought in, the next thing Christ says, son, your sins are forgiven. Not only did he do that to that uh, paralyzed man, as, you read, as we read in Mark chapter 2 or in Matthew chapter 9, there was also a woman who came to the Lord. When this lady came to the Lord, she washed the Lord's feet. Remember? She's crying and washing the Lord's feet. And what does happen? The Lord says to that woman, Woman, your sins are forgiven. What does this teach us? He taught us that Christ can forgive sin. And who else can forgive sin? Besides God. Amen? It's only God who can forgive sins. So forgiveness of sin is only done by God. So Christ was God and a truly man. So why in this particular instance does Christ say Father, forgive them? Why didn't he just say, I forgive these guys that have done so much wrong to me? Here is a point of doctrine that we might also learn. He was the son of God that had become the son of man with the express purpose to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin. At that moment in time, Christ put aside his date. He was identifying with us as a normal, true man. And at that moment in time, it's only God the Father who can forgive sins. And he is now interceding and praying and saying, Father, forgive them. So Christ, in this process, he was truly identifying with us that he was man. That's why scripture tells us that Christ was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. He is the sinless, perfect man. Perfect man. So he stands in the gap and intercedes for us. On the cross, he could not excise his divine prerogatives. On the cross, he put aside, he did not exercise or utilize his powers as God, as son of God. He was occupying our place as a substitute. Hence, he prays and forgive, he prays, forgive them, thus identifying with us. Point number four I want to make this morning is we see here what are called sins of ignorance, for they did not know what they are doing. What they were, they did not know what they were doing. Now, before God, sin is always sin. Whether it's a sin of ignorance, whether you did it not knowing, you perpetrated it not knowing. Sin is always sin. 
in the sight of God. Whether we are aware of it or not, sin is sin. Did the soldiers not know that they were crucifying the Lord? Did the people not know when they were shouting that crucify him, crucify him, that the Lord was going to be killed? They knew that he was going to be killed. The soldiers, they knew that they were killing him. When they were bringing that crown of thorns and putting it in his head, didn't they know that they were hating the Lord? So, when the Lord says, they do not know what they are doing, what is it that they don't know? Here the Lord sees that the people were not aware or they were ignorant of the gravity and the consequence of their actions. Here is the Son of God that they are doing this to him. They didn't know what they were doing. But like we raised the other time, the Lord was willingly giving himself. Is it? Because in that process, the Lord needed to be a sacrifice for us. So these people who did this great criminal action, they did not know the gravity that they were doing it to the Son of God. In Leviticus, we are told that the sins of uh, 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 ignorance, they needed to be atoned. If a soul commits trespass and sin through ignorance, this is what Leviticus chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says, you needed to make atonement for that. David, in his prayer, he prays and he says, Lord, uh, cleanse me from secret faults. So the sins of ignorance, just like any other sins, they need divine forgiveness. These people needed to be forgiven because they were doing it to the Son of God. They didn't realize the gravity that they were doing it to. They were fulfilling actually God's plan, but they did not know it. Peter in Acts chapter 3, when he was addressing the people where he was preaching to, he says to him, I know, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as you did your leaders. So, when he was preaching to them, he said, I know that you did this in ignorance. But in the end, he says there's a solution to the sins of ignorance. The only solution is we need to repent. Repent and turn to God. He then says that to them in chapter 3, verse 19. I want to give you our last uh, uh, fifth lesson that we are picking up there. We pick from this scripture that Christ is our perfect example. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Christ is our perfect example. He lived the word. Did Jesus teach us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecuted us in Matthew 5 verse 44? Did he teach us to love our enemies? Did he teach us to pray for those who persecute us? Didn't, didn't he fulfill it on the cross? There on the cross. He is fulfilling just that. Wasn't it Jesus' right to demand punishment for the, for, for the crimes and pitless violence that was being committed against him? It was his right to demand justice. But instead of vengeance, he chose to forgive. He chose to pray for those who were doing. So he practiced what he taught. The cross is therefore a symbol of love. So let me go back slightly and summarize a few lessons that we learn from this wonderful scripture of Luke 
23 verse 34 that I'm sure by the time you get home you recite the scripture Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing how do we apply it in prayer there is one form of service that you can give to the Lord in prayer are you physically challenged are you bedridden because of sickness is the body growing weak and you are no longer youthful you used to come and do things for the Lord when you used to have energy but now you have run out are you out of employment are you bound one thing you can do is to pray there the Lord was bound there the Lord was there was no mobility the nails were going through his heels he couldn't walk anymore they tied his hands he couldn't do anything but one thing he could do people were watching him they saw move his lips and there he was praying so this is one thing that you can do in every situation in an agonizing situation that you can come across if you want to give service to the Lord there we're talking about Central Republic of Africa you can kneel down and pray for those people prayer changes things in terrible times it is prayer you can pray for 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 for, for uh, pray for, for, for the government so this is what the Bible teaches in all circumstances we must pray point number two in application there in our prayers let us intercede for others the salvation that you have many of you we have walked in here to sit on that bench they are a product of someone's prayer and let me tell you the truth in John 17 verse 20 Jesus prayed for you he prayed for me he prayed for you not only these but those who believe the gospel through the witness of the, the, the disciples so Jesus prayed for you I did not ask for these only but also for those who believe in me through their word so Christ interceded for you you see we used to sing a, small, a song that you pray for me and I'll pray for you. And it ended up in a question, why don't you pray for, for me as well? So this is the prayer of intercession. The salvation that we have is because Christ prayed for you. Make it a habit to pray for others. Pray for your unbelieving spouse instead of giving rambling because he did not honor you on Father's Day. You pray for them. The best thing that you can do is to pray. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your parents. Pray for your siblings. Pray for your family. Pray for your community. Pray for your workmates. Pray for your governing authorities. Pray, pray, pray. There is no one who is to be labeled as beyond the reach of prayer. What if Christ stopped praying? For those, for those people for the crowd. Do you know what happened? A little bit, a month later, but a few days, 40 days later, if you look in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people repented. Those who had done the things out of ignorance. Is not. I did not pray for this. Those who were jeering and the Christ prayed for them. So there is no one who is to be labeled as beyond the reach of prayer. Point number three, in application, appreciate the love of Christ, identifying with us and paying the ultimate sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven. Here we see love. 
that is when you look at that prayer it is a prayer of love loving the unlovable so we see Christ fulfilling uh, uh, when he says uh, love pray he is a very good example finally are you following the example of Christ we should follow the example of Christ Peter sums it all when he says in first Peter chapter 2 verse 21 to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps so Christ has provided us footsteps that we must follow let us pray we thank you God for this beautiful scripture of Luke 23 verse 34 thank you Lord for in this scripture we see the love of our Lord praying for others praying for his persecutors we fall short O oh Lord when it comes to how we react with others around us help us to follow the example of Christ to love to pray help us O oh God as we desire to follow your footsteps we are so grateful for this word of encouragement for we have prayed in Jesus name our Lord Amen.